And he would say, the man, the myth, the legend. Yes. Joining us on the phone, the sports editor of the Boston Herald, formerly of the Lewis and Sun Journal, Justin Pelletier. Justin, are you in Florida right now? I saw a tweet. I'm not sure. What's going on? I, I, well, it's funny, it's funny you ask that. I was in Florida until about uh, 6 o'clock this morning. Oh, okay. <laughs> so you, you've, you've flown back and you've landed and you're back in uh, Boston? Uh, Elvis is in the building. <laughs> what uh, what's it doing in Boston? Uh, drizzling and looking kind of Now it's drizzling here. Now it snowed first. Now it's drizzling. Yeah, we had quite the snow this morning, but A now it's out raining. Maybe calming down. Well, so the Bruins last night, obviously a disappointing effort. I know you were in Florida, but did you get a chance to check out the game? I didn't fall. I didn't check out the game live, but I did uh, check out the highlights and check out well the lowlights really. Yeah. Um, and uh, and uh, kind of looked at it uh, a little bit, but uh, uh, you know it's one of those things. This is the holiday week. You know you try to check things out uh, uh, outside of your comfort zone or outside of the norm sometimes. And uh, certainly did that this week with uh, checking out some high school basketball in Florida, which was interesting. Um, but uh, the Bruins themselves are. are Last night, we really saw the need for that centerman up the middle, that secondary scoring that they're just not normally getting. And Halak had a rare off night, which never helps either. Yeah. Well, going back, I'm curious, high school basketball in Florida, how's that compared to Massachusetts or even Maine, perhaps? Well, I'll tell you what. The uh, the school I, I watched last night, they're hosting a holiday tournament. Uh, so the home school uh, is Vera Beach. Um they are the Vero Beach Fighting Indians uh, in Indian River County uh, in Florida. And uh, they have, on the basketball roster, there were two football D1 commits. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so you can tell the athletes they're getting. Yeah. Uh, their, their, their basketball team would have would easily win the main class double-A championship going away. Uh-huh. And the B and the C and the D and, <laughs> and all of them. Yeah. Um, what the the, uh, the comment I made while watching was that uh, I really feel like if you took an all star team of any given good year in Maine, um, maybe you take the year where you had like the Gilpins plus Troy Barney's, uh, or you had um, Lord uh, when you had maybe Nick Mayo to lead that all star bunch uh, a few years back, uh, or Tommy Knight out of year ago. Uh, to lead that All Star bunch, uh, they could that All Star team could compete probably mm-hmm. um, with, with these guys uh, at the high level. The other two teams I watched play in the first game last night, uh, that was more like what you normally see in a Double A, A or even B school in Maine. So um, the elite teams are are that much better, but the other average every other day teams are about equal. Gotcha, gotcha. And then, um, you know, in the Boston Herald, I'm looking at um, some stuff you got covered here. You've got a column talking about, you know, the Bruins obviously struggling to uh, break free from their recent doldrums. Now, we were, we talked to um, uh, a guy, who uh, Tim Rosenthal, who covers the Bruins every Wednesday on this show, and he talked about how they are getting healthier right now. Do uh, uh, you think that will make a big difference with um, their increased health in terms of the, these guys coming back? Well, my thought, I, I thought Bergeron was going to be the bigger cog than Chara. Mm-hmm. And really, the offense hasn't done much better uh, in the last couple of games. He's been in, what, two or three games now? Um, I haven't seen much increased production. In fact, 
it, it made them uh, shuffle their lines back to the way they used to be, and it didn't help. And that top line hasn't been going. I, I, they need more, um, and it's painfully obvious that they need more, even with those guys coming back. Yeah, the question, we've asked Tim this for a couple, almost three weeks in a row now, who are they looking at, and what are they going to have to give up? I mean, there's been talk that maybe Krug and maybe DeBrusque, in order to get somebody that can maybe put the puck yeah, in the net. So Steve Conroy, our uh, senior hockey writer at the Herald, uh, postulated this a couple of weeks back. And in fact, I remember last time I was on with you guys, I think we talked about it. Yeah. Um, that Tory Krug is probably the best training ship you have. The problem is, you know, and since he's been back, he's been the best player on the team. Um, yeah. Or one of them. So it's hard to justify that chip leaving even with whatever return is going to exist, when he's one of the top players on the team right now. It makes him more marketable. It makes him like you're going to be able to get more for him if you choose to deal him. But at the same time, uh, it makes it tougher to deal him. It does seem, though, I mean, the the old uh, adage in trades is you got to give up something to get something. And they, yeah, well, they do have a glut of def- before The Bruins have uh, an abundance of young D-men. Yeah. Uh, beyond Tory Krug... Uh, I know Charlie McAvoy didn't, uh, didn't skate yesterday, and that's a concern considering what he's trying to come back from with his head injury, uh, and I don't know the latest on that. Uh, but between McAvoy and Grizzlick, uh, you know, you've, you've got Lozon back there. Uh, there's a handful of young players on the blue line to complement the Charas and the John Moores, uh, and, and you have the, your position of strength if you're the Bruins uh, is on the defensive line. Hey, Justin, I have a question for you that has nothing to do about hockey. It has to do about baseball, and it might be a little bit inside baseball, about baseball, but the Red Sox broadcasting situation, they, um, they're, <laughs> this is something that I'm curious about. I told um, Maddie it was a jump It's a show I'm hosting. I'm curious about it. Their broadcaster left. Um, he was offered to come back, he says, and he left and got a job almost right away with the Dodgers. What's going on with that? I heard rumors they wanted to make it more like a talk show during the game. What are you hearing about that? Yeah, well, that's, that's the same thing we heard for a little while. It just it depends on who you talk to. Yeah. Um, you know, the person that reported that first here uh, in the Boston area was, of course, Chad Finn, uh, a good friend of, of uh, ours in Maine Media. Of course, he's a Mainer, mm-hmm. uh, working for the Boston Globe. He's a competitor, of course, of ours. But, yeah. Um, you know, he, he reported that, and, and I trust what he reports. Like, it's not like he's He's not going to make something up out of the out of the blue. Yeah. Um, so he obviously had a source that that told him that they were looking to get more conversational, uh, kind of like what you you get in the in the booth uh, when you have the three person booth on say Sunday Night Baseball. Yeah. Right. Or or you have when 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 you have the hilarity that comes from having the three man booth in the Sox when you've got Remy plus Eckersley uh, plus whoever your broadcaster is at the time, mm-hmm. Dave O'Brien in this case, right? So. Um, you know, if you have, uh, so that, that's kind of what they were, from what I hear, what I, what I understand of that talk, conversation, that's what I understand they're trying to do, um, is get more conversational. Now, whether that's considered more talk showy, right? I don't know the answer to that, but, um, and whether that translates to radio, the problem is the places that are already doing this are TV outlets where the viewer doesn't need the exact play-by-play yeah. because they can see it. They just need the extra entertainment, the background noise, right? Yeah. 
uh, on the radio it's tougher because you do need the pitch by pitch right and the and the scene setting and the descriptions of the uniforms and the and the crowd and the, you need that on the radio because you don't have that inherently with your own eyes exactly so. yeah we we said you know we we do games uh, we've been doing hockey games together this year and the the radio games are much different than the video games because they can oh, yeah. see it and the the issue one of the issues the side issues we have is we're actually broadcasting the game on the radio so we're over describing for the video Right. And trying to describe it for the radio, <laughs> the old simulcast. Yeah. But uh. <laughs> well, you know, and, and, and again, in, in hockey speak, this is almost sacrilege. But this is one of the one of the, the two things that I I have an issue with in in listening to Doc Emmerich. We're watching Doc Emmerich call games. He's brilliant. He's a he's an incredible voice, and he does his his tone, his pacing, fantastic. But if I'm watching him on TV, I'm watching the broadcast. I don't need everything he's giving to me, right? But at the same time, it sounds like he's still doing it for radio. And if he was simulcasting, well, then, yeah, I need everything he's telling me. Yeah. And By the way, congratulations yeah. on uh, calling some great games the other night. I was watching a couple of those. Oh, great. Uh, oh, wow. Thanks for tuning uh, in. <laughs> I believe it was uh, Lewis, and, Lewis and Don's game you guys did, right? That was an epic game, absolutely. Game. Lewis and won it at the buzzer, basically. <laughs> yes. Yep. No, it was great. It was fantastic. It was hard to see. Of course, I'm still following this as much as I can. Yeah. Uh, it was hard to see on the feed uh, the infraction that led to uh, the ejection of the goaltender. Right. Uh, but from everybody that I've talked to since that was on location, including one person I know who was on the ice, yeah, uh, there was little doubt that. Oh yeah, it was clearly. Yep. And, and, and it's too bad because obviously you know, and, and make no mistake though, his, his backup came in and did a great job. Yeah, for sure. Um, Tough to come in cold and, and stop the first what six he saw. Yeah, yeah. But, we uh, we we watched that play after on video, and you clearly when you slow it down and look at it, you can see it. You know, yeah, we we knew there was something. Bad. It's a tough situation to put everybody in, but you know, you know, you serve the suspension, you move on. And hopefully, everybody learns from it, right? And then yeah. St. Dom's uh, hardly missed uh, Fuchs at all in their game against Ever Little. I mean, they dominated the following game with Roy playing the whole time. So right. it ended up not costing them the next game. So um, Hey, you know, Justin, going back to Doc Emmerich, uh, my daughter's a sports nut, uh, and uh, she said to me the last time the Olympics were on, uh, when it was uh, wind swimming, that's Summer Olympics, right? She said, hey, Dad, Doc Emmerich's doing uh, water polo. She said, he, he sounds like he really... He gets it. And I go, well, Aaron, he's a broadcaster. That you know, He didn't just show up here to do it. He's either done some games or he prepared for it. She, that, she yeah, kept... That's actually kind of it's funny. I've, I've, uh, I wondered about that uh, at first when I first heard him do it a couple years back or a couple Olympics back, and it, it, it turns out he's, he actually requests that. You know, to me, it's the most like hockey that they have. Huh. Yeah, that's true. In the summer games. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I've and never seen a water polo match, but that sounds about right. So, <laughs> well, it's, I mean, the tactics and the, and the, and yeah. the shape, yeah, and the shape of the attack and the you know the passing, and it's 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 very tactical. It's it's kind of fun to watch, you know. Um, I, I, I'm a sucker for anything that's on TV that's a sport. I mean, <laughs> ESPN two last night was broadcasting, and I'm not kidding, dodgeball. No way. Were, were they rebranded as ESPN 8, the Ocho, or was it actually ESPN 2? 
It was a it was on ESPN two. Yeah, and it was a match between England and Malaysia in the World Championships. Wow! Wow! Throw out the record books when those two two teams play. I tell you that. <laughs> uh, the, the announcers were both the announcers were both uh, British. Yeah, and uh, they were calling it straight up. It was fantastic to watch. Oh, then you'd like listening to the uh, like the Tour de France with the the guys on TV. Oh my God, they're they're a riot. I I've I watched it a few times. Yeah, it's, it's fun. You, know, you throw it on in the morning because it's obviously all yeah, that's right. in the morning. Yeah. You're getting ready, and it's, it's the background noise is nothing else. And um, you know, again, that's the visual, right? So you're listening to the banter as opposed to having to describe um, all the all the things that are going on. Yeah, he's there, pumping right? his legs. That that could get old in the Tour de France. <laughs> I really got into that when I was a kid, when Lance Armstrong was winning oh, it every sure. year. Like I, I don't yeah. know about everyone else, but I was really into it for a while. And then, Justin, that just know. tells you how young he is, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I remember it being a big deal because like no American had won in like a long time, and then he won it like every single year, and everyone was accusing him of cheating, and we were all outraged that they would dare accuse Lance Armstrong of cheating. How how could you, those French? And then he was cheated. So. <laughs> It turns out. Yeah, uh, well, you know, my, <laughs> my uh, Tour de France uh, run was Greg LeMond's run. So, yes. Uh-huh. Um, that's, that's back toward uh, my growing up in cycling. Sure. Well, I remember and Greg LeMond said he thought Lance Armstrong was cheating also. Yeah. We are like, yeah. oh, he's just jealous. <laughs> yeah. But, no, he, he was right. Take it from someone who might know. Yeah. Yeah, really. <laughs> hey, Justin, what uh, we had a little discussion before you called in about the Celtics. Uh, you know, they were always overachievers because they didn't have the talent the other teams have. And now looks like they've got quite a bit of talent and it just hasn't gone together yet. What what are they going to do? You know, it's, 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 I, I think it's getting to the point now where they've got to, it's getting to the point now where they're going to have to figure out who is the most valuable or who are the most valuable pieces of this team going forward. And they're going to need to shake this up at some point. They just are. Um, as we talked about uh, the last week before, you know, I figured it would take 25, 26, 27 games to really shake out, given the tough early schedule, and given the uh, the newness of having Hayward back, Irving back, uh, all these other guys that uh, performed well with everybody out in the playoffs. Now everybody's healthy. How are they all going to slot in? How are they going to fit? And just remember, this could be even worse with Jabari Bird, right? This, this could have been, this could be worse because you could have Jabari Bird sitting in this whole mix also. Yeah, um, if he if he hadn't uh, been an idiot. So, I, I you, they're going to have to do something. It almost feels like now at this point there are too many cooks in the kitchen. Yeah, and almost Maddie keeps saying Jason Brown and and somebody else have probably got to go. He's kind of lost this year. He he hasn't been able to adapt and and. Uh, I, I don't think other than Marcus Smart, they don't have any snotty nose guys. You know, there's no there's nobody diving on the floor and and uh, willing to get in somebody's shirt and just dog them the whole length of the court. They they just lost that ingredient because they're all yeah. better than that. Yeah, well, and that, and that's the thing. Like they were playing roles last year, they really didn't know what their roles were. Some of those guys that were role players really flourished as the stars when Irving and Hayward and company were out, and now. They're asked to be. They're being asked to go back to playing roles again that they don't necessarily want to play. 
I'm curious, um, you know, covering Boston sports now with Boston College's bowl game uh, <laughs> being canceled. What was what was your reaction there? I mean, what, what's reaction locally there in Boston? I mean, I know Boston College, the traditional Boston sports fan may not follow them that closely necessarily because, you know, private school, not actually in Boston, I don't think. But uh, what are your thoughts on that, what, what happened there and everything? Well, I... You know, I, I'm on the fence here. You know, I think it's, it's partly because I'm on the fence in the, in the age spectrum, right? You know, I'm I'm not quite the the millennial that's uh, that, that you know safety first oh. uh, and everything like that. And I'm not, and I'm not quite the and, and on the other end going south uh, in the age. I'm not on the end of oh we're going to just play right through it. And I'm not on the old school side either, where it's like we've got to play this just postpone it for an hour and come back and whatever. Uh, or you know, push through it. Uh, it it's hard. This, this this area isn't as passionate. Um, I do think it was kind of funny where we had some Boston University students taking shots at it. They didn't even they didn't even know how to do a bowl game right. <laughs> um, that kind of thing. And, and then you know that was quickly quelled when the BC people would chime back and say, "Well, at least we have a football team." Right. Right. So, <laughs> you know, you've got that dynamic going on. But you know, the reality is. You should have tried to find a way to play that game. They should have. That's it's tough for a football player's career to end after a quarter that's not going to count, right? Um, for any of them, um, whether it's AJ Dillon or any of the Boise State folks, that all and, and I, I don't know if you saw and if you haven't looked it up. Uh, AJ Dillon wrote a three-page note on his notes program oh. and published them as photos on his Twitter account. Yeah, um, thanking Boise State. Uh, thanking his teammates, talking. It was, it, was, it was a very well thought out, very classy gesture from a graduating star uh, from Boston College, and, and uh, he's a he's a solid player. He's going to have a career. Uh, AJ Dillon is ahead of him. Gotcha, gotcha. And then, um, did we have you on the last? Uh, had the main name their head coach yet? We have you on last or no? I'm trying to remember. The last time you had me on, we were speculating, and it had just come out that the. Defensive coordinator was leaving. Job. Right, so they um, they went internal with Nick Charlton. A, they did a yeah. guy who's younger than me, which is scary. Oh uh, boy. Uh, <laughs> but, so, what are your thoughts on that hire? Joe, I guess Joe, Joe wasn't younger than you, also. Joe, at this point in time, is not younger than me. I think he might yeah, be younger. Okay. Like he was younger than me when he was hired. But yeah, right, yeah. right. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah no, and, and when in fact. Uh, um, when we spoke about it on this program, um, I said that he fits the blueprint of the guy that I described on the air, which was someone who's familiar with the program or familiar with the way the program wants to head. Um, didn't have to be necessarily internal, but it had to be someone who would uh, fit the bill as to what Joe was trying to do, right? Coach Arsimiak was trying to do. Yeah. Um, and someone who understands current players and the current game of football. And I was very that doesn't mean it can't be someone who's 55, 60, 70 years old. They just have to know what to do going forward with the, the way the game has changed and the way the game at Maine is being played right now. Um, and uh, it sounds like they went a little younger and someone who was familiar. So that's exactly what they went with. Yeah, so we'll see how uh, that goes for them. Obviously, a great year this year for the University of Maine and Harrison Miak leaving for Minnesota, and now Nick Charlton taking over. I emailed the Maine uh, SID to see if Nick could call in at some point and we could interview him on the program. We'll see if he replies to me or not. But uh, 
<laughs> we'll see. Oh, I, th- I, th- I think that'd be great if you guys did yeah. that. He uh, sounds like they're very open to things like that, so yeah. good luck with that. Absolutely. Well, Justin, thank you so much for calling in, as you do uh, every Friday here on the B-List Daily. Don't forget to follow Justin on Twitter, jpel915, and you can also follow, of course, BOS Herald Sports as well. Justin Pelletier, thanks again. Thanks a lot, guys. Appreciate Take it. Take care. Have a nice uh, New Year. You as well. All right, that was Justin Pelletier calling in here on the B-List Daily on the new 105.5 Sports. We'll take one final break back on the other end as we wrap this one up on this Friday morning. W288CW 105.5 FM Auburn. WEZRAM 1240 Lewiston. 